Tonight we have a very important happening here. It's a time of prayer from 6 till 7. One of our core values as a church is that um, we're incapable of doing the work of God without God's help, which drives us to our knees. And as we begin this fall season of ministry, uh, we we want to seek the face of God on behalf of our church and our ministries and our community. And so I want to invite you to come out. Uh, we'll be meeting tonight at uh, 6 o'clock, and it'll be just one hour in time. I trust that you will make that a priority. Um, th- this morning, I want to talk about part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Um, and not just a follower, a passionate follower of Jesus. Uh, you may find out in your, uh, in your Christian experience that when you became a follower of Jesus, there were things that you didn't fully know or understand that you would have to grasp. This morning, we're going to talk about one of those things, uh, something that you may not have been aware of, what was part of the package, uh, something that God wants of you and of me, but we may not have signed on thinking that this was a part of what God wanted for us. Now, I take courage in this, that everyone who is a true follower of Jesus Christ, um, sometimes we, we find that God asks us to do things that are difficult. But a true follower of Jesus Christ will do what God wants him or her to do. And so I take great uh, comfort and solace in that. Uh, when we become followers of Christ, we don't instantly know everything. We, we don't have understanding of everything. We grow in our faith. That's why it's this whole journey we're on. And so my prayer for us is that as week by week we open the word of God, that God himself will show us uh, his truth in the word of God, and we'll be asking how do we apply this that we might please him. Well, this revolves around Jesus' mission, why he came to earth, uh, why he left heaven, and uh, what, he, what he has uh, for us. Well, he took on a human body. He lived a perfect life. Uh, he grew up, born as a baby and growing up. Uh, what was his purpose? Ultimately, what had he come for? Well, he tells us uh, that. He tells us in Matthew 20 and 28, for instance, he said, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. He said, I'm telling you why I came. I came so that I could offer a ransom to pay for the sins of the world. Uh, He came uh, to pay for our sins so that we could be freed. Uh, We could be released. Freedom from sin. Freedom to trust God. And uh, and by his grace, uh, having received pardon. Last week we looked at Zacchaeus and we found that Jesus said this, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. He tells us right up, this is why I came. Paul would tell us uh, why Jesus came. He said, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of of whom I am the worst. He understood, Jesus understood exactly why he was coming. And everything in that that uh, moved toward that 
apex in his life when he would offer a, his, his very body and his life as a sacrifice, when as he hung on the cross, he mustered that last bit of strength and he declared, it is finished, it's paid in full. And the price being paid, uh, Jesus was laid to rest, but that wasn't the end of it. God put his stamp of approval on it, resurrected him from the dead on the third day. And the disciples go from despondency uh, to elation. And there's a question they have in, in uh, Acts chapter 1. They say, okay, uh, now Jesus, uh, we're going to see the kingdom happen. You're going to bring it in in its fullness. What, why we followed you was we, there was a kingdom that we were looking forward to you bringing in where Israel would rule in the world and her Messiah would rule with justice and, and righteousness. And, uh, and Jesus said, now just back off, guys. Uh, we've, got, we've got something that we need you to do. Uh, wait. And they thought, well, like, Jesus has done everything that he said he was going to do. What, what's the problem here? Um, how, how, come, how come we're not getting on with what we think should be the kingdom look with Jesus ruling and, and reigning? Um, they thought it was over, and Jesus said, no, that's not the way. There's some unfinished business that we need to attend to. What about this program of his? Uh, where do we go from here? This can't be the end. And so after the resurrection, Jesus spends 40 days uh, with his uh, followers. And uh, on one of those occasions, in fact, on the, on the very day that Jesus was resurrected, he said, tell my disciples uh, that I'm going to Galilee and I'll meet them there. And so here they are in Galilee and uh, Jesus meets with them. Here he is, he's resurrected uh, he has not yet gone back to heaven. He's with them. And uh, he says, all right, I've got something for you. And here is our mission he's talking about. And first he talks about the authority that he brings to this. Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He's fulfilled everything that God has desired. But he has now, having done everything that God desired, he has full and absolute authority in all of the universe. Uh, he asserts that authority. In, in Philippians 2, it, it says of Jesus uh, that uh, God gave, uh, exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the very name of Jesus... Every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue would confess, Jesus Christ is Lord. And uh, here he is, uh, having give, been given that name. And with this all-sweeping, all-encompassing authority over everything in the universe, he says, I've got a program for you people. And uh, this does not come from me, Jesus said, as some kind of optional piece that you might think it has some merit or value to it this i speak with full authority and i tell you i've got something for you to do on the basis of that authority and and so we have not only that authority of jesus we've got this content of his mission and here's the mission that he wants for us in uh, matthew 28 and verse 19 therefore go and make 
disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. He said, I've got a program for you. I'm going away. Uh, He told them he'd be leaving them. Uh, they, They still had trouble getting that. They, but, but they were following him. They believed that he would rule and reign at that time. But that wasn't his program. There is this time in an interim before, uh, between the time when he left and when he will return. And he promises he will return. He said, I want you to go and make disciples or followers of me um, in, in all the world, among all nations. Send it around the globe. I have a program uh, for Jesus uh, to be honored, known, praised, worshipped. And so they were to do this, to make disciples, to make followers. We are not called to make converts. We aren't called to make Christians who have now uh, some kind of assurance that if anything happens to them, they'll go to be with Jesus. We are called to make disciples, people who are hardcore followers of Jesus Christ, well, what, what does that uh, follower look like? Well, it involves first believing and putting their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior, as the one who paid the penalty for their sin. It involves stepping over a line into the family of God and then being welcomed into that family and acknowledged as a part of that family, initiated into the family by publicly identifying with Jesus Christ through baptism. So uh, if you haven't been baptized yet, but you have become a follower of of Jesus, your your next logical step is that you would declare your allegiance to him, that you have done that in the waters of baptism. And we'll have another another baptism this fall. If if that's something that you haven't done yet, I just encourage you to do that. Uh, Contact us and we would be happy to uh, talk with you about that. So publicly identifying with Jesus... Uh, But he says in this, he he gives us a mission to share God's message of hope in Jesus, to help people become followers. But it wasn't just that they would stay there. It was that they were to be taught um, everything that Jesus taught to obey and live out in their life, everything that Jesus had taught them. And, and so, as I said, we're not talking about, uh, about I, I became a Christian, my life hasn't changed. We're talking about what it means to be a follower of Jesus, is to follow our leader, to follow our teacher, to live the life that he lived, to lift, listen to the teaching that he gave, uh, gave and to follow it. Uh, let me tell you, uh, we, we don't want to just have a head full of knowledge Knowledge in itself is no good. We want to understand and know and have that transform our life so that we uh, act and respond as Jesus would have it. This is why I love life groups. I need to put in a plug for life groups. If you are not in a life group, I I want to encourage you to be in one. What we do is we take the material from Sunday morning and we chew it and uh, ruminate on it and meditate on it. And we're asking this question, what is God telling us to do with what his word. What does he want us to do with what his word has uh, shared with us? And, and so uh, this, is, this is the mission that we are, to help people come to know Jesus, to enter into God's family, uh, and uh, to grow in their likeness of him, and becoming more and more like him, passionately follow him uh, as Jesus followers. And, and that's for you, 
and for me as followers of Jesus. In fact, Jesus would say in, uh, in his high priestly prayer, just before he went to the cross, he said, he prayed to the Father, as you sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. He sent us with a commission. He goes on to say later in that chapter, again, uh, in chapter 21, Jesus says, peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. And so in every one of the four gospels, after Jesus has uh, died on the cross, been resurrected, and before he goes back, he gives us instructions that this is what he wants us to do. He wants us uh, to reach out with, with his love and share this message that other people would become followers of him and grow in their faith as well. And Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and even in the book of Acts, uh, Jesus is sharing his, uh, what his desire is for us. So when you become a follower of Jesus, you entered into a core of his followers who've been charged with the responsibility of sharing the good news with others around. Uh, there's a fictitious story that has been told of of uh, Jesus, uh, just a fictitious legend that recounts Jesus' return to glory after his uh, death, uh, his burial, his resurrection, and his ascension to heaven. And there, uh, as, he, as he goes back to heaven, he bears the marks of his earthly pilgrimage with the cruel marks of the cross in his body. And, uh, and uh, he was asked by one of the angels... Uh, do you know, do the people in the world know that you love them and what you've done for them? Master, do you, do you, is that communicated to them? And he says, no, Jesus, not yet. Um, uh, well, what have you done, the angel says. And he said, well, uh, I've told a few guys, uh, Peter and John and James and a few other fellows, uh, I've told them, and uh, I've told them to tell others. And this, the, the angel had a perplexed, perplexed look. I mean, you're talking about these people. You're talking about Peter who denied you in your deepest hour of need. You're talking about your followers who abandoned you. Is that, is that what you're, you know? And, and he looked skeptically at Jesus. And uh, she says, well, what if they don't do it? And he said, I have no other plan. You have what? I have no other plan. I don't know about you, but that's not very encouraging to me. How about you? These are the guys that, that are going to take this message around the world. Mm. And there is in that uh, a great challenge. Here's, here's our mission statement. We try to capture this in our mission statement. Our mission is to lead people to know Jesus Christ and to follow him passionately to step over the line of faith into the family of God, uh, to come to know him, to be in a relationship with him, and to help those people understand everything Jesus taught and grow them in their faith and help to mature them so that they become like Jesus. Now, I can tell you this. I can, I can tell you a whole pile of reasons why I think this is a bad plan. I, I can tell you lots of things why this should not work at all. I mean, I just look at myself, and I know that I can be unreliable at times. I, I can, you know, I, I have a good heart and maybe a desire to do something, but I don't follow through on it. Mm. And if there 
other people who are like that, if we've got a church, if we've got a body of Christ that's like that, um, not very encouraging with the reliability. And, and uh, sometimes we don't practice what we preach, right? I hate to say that, but we feel a little awkward about trying to tell somebody else because we may not have it all together spiritually the way that we think we should have. And there are a lot of fears. There's a fear of lack of knowledge. Uh, that we can we really articulate our faith? Uh, can we um, answer questions, hard questions that people may throw at us? Uh, questions that may make us look foolish if we don't have an answer. Uh, and then there's being afraid of how we'd be viewed by other people. You know, sometimes uh, people are not that keen on Christians. Oh, you're one of those. Oh, I had, uh, I had my uh, uh, brother-in-law of mine, his, he trusted Christ. His father was a church-going person, believe it or not. And uh, when, uh, when our brother-in-law came to faith in Christ, he told his dad, he thought his dad would be happy for him. Oh, he said, you're not one of those born, he, here's what he said. <laughs> this goes back almost 40 years. You're not one of those born-again thingers, are you? had a, a negative connotation, afraid of how we might be viewed by others. Oh, you're, you're a religious freak now. Uh, are you one of those? Uh, are, you, are you a goody-goody? Uh, are, you, are you somebody who thinks you're better than other people? Will people back off from us? Will they reject us? Will they talk behind our back at work? Will they, will they kind of isolate us a bit? Will it cause, cost us some social acceptance? I've seen people maligned for their faith. Um, with Christ's moral standard, to live by Christ's ethical demands can put us in a, a difficult position. Even if you live an honest, good, right living life, it can bring a measure of conviction on other people that will call you out for wrongly thinking you're a holier than thou or something like that. And in today's climate, religion can be, it has really become a privatized thing. You can have your faith. That's all right to have a faith. Um, you just you don't tell anybody about it. And don't, let, don't bring it into the workplace. Don't bring your faith into the school. Don't bring your faith into uh, the, the social club or the government or whatever it is. You have your faith. But this is a very private thing for you. You shouldn't be sharing it. And, and there's a sense in which if you do share it in this climate of multiculturalism, uh, that who do you think you are that you have something that you think is right? Because if you think it's right, then you're saying ipso facto that everybody else is wrong. You can't make a statement like that. All ways are good. All ways are legitimate. So it can be tough in that way. And uh, we look, uh, we can look down on people like that because they, we think, well, they're just so arrogant. And uh, because we prize toleration so much that everything has to be equal and everything has to be equally good and equally legitimate. And so it's the height of arrogance to imagine that, for, uh, that you could think that your way is right. And who are you to tell somebody else about your way? And uh, let's face it, some of us have 
personality styles that uh, don't lend themselves maybe to what we've thought about sharing our faith. That person who's bold and outgoing and talkative and uh, maybe we're not that kind of person and we think, you know, that, I, that, I couldn't do that. That's not for me. We'd be much happier being in a quiet back, uh, background kind of way. You may feel you're not suited for this. Well, it's understandable why people are skeptical um, because people aren't beating down our doors to get in here either. And so we may think, uh, can we really be optimistic about something like this? Is this something that we can really expect to have any kind of success with? Well, I want to say those things are the challenge that we have uh, to overcome. But I want to talk to you about our confidence. Jesus assures us uh, that, that, not, uh, that he will not leave us to flounder. Do you remember what he said? The first thing he said is, before he gave them the commission, he said, now listen, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. He rules everything. And on the basis of his authority, he took his church, his people, his body, and he said, all right, I have a commission for you, and, uh, and here it is. This is not optional for you. This is not, well, this would be a nice thing if you wanted to do it. This is, I'm telling you what I want you to do as my church. And, uh, and uh, he says uh, that... Um, I want, I want you to realize, and, and in uh, Matthew uh, 28, 20, he says, I want you to understand this. I'm with you always to the very end of the age. I've asked you to do something uh, that you may not feel comfortable with. I'm not giving you an option that you can or don't have to do this or want to do it or don't want to do it. I'm telling you, do it, church, do it. But, but I'm, not, I'm not hanging you out to dry. I'm not leaving you to be unsuccessful. I'm not leaving you to, to flounder. Uh, I, want, I want you to know I'm with you always. Isn't interesting? Here's Jesus with his disciples. And uh, he's leaving them. And they're despondent. Uh, Don't let your heart be troubled, Jesus said. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm, I, I'm, and he says, I'm going. But if I go... I'm going to send you another of me. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and you'll have the spirit of Jesus living in you. I will not abandon you and I'll not, uh, you'll not be relegated to that. So uh, our confidence is that God is with us. Uh, and, and it's interesting in the original language, sometimes they want to make, make something a little more uh, underline it, bolded a little bit. I myself am with you to the very end of the age. I'm not going to let you down. I'm not going to check out on you. And Jesus doesn't ask us to do anything that he doesn't at the same time uh, give us uh, the resources to be able to do it. I mean, think of, this is Jesus who created the universe. This is Jesus that holds everything together in, in the planets and stars. Here's Jesus is the one that holds together life at its smallest, most minute particles. Uh, Jesus is the one who sustains everyone, who has power over everything, who possesses all wisdom. This is the Jesus with authority that says, I want you to do this. But remember, 
I'm with you. I'm not going to hang you out there. And if he's with us, then it's not mission impossible. And everyone that turns to faith in Jesus is an absolute miracle. Jesus was confronted by uh, what seemed to be a sincere seeker who came to him and said, uh, said this, uh, Master, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, well, you know, you know the, the Bible. What does it say? It will do this, 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 this. Well, fine. And then Jesus said, but he knew the heart of this guy. He said, uh, here it is. Um, I want you to do this. Take, uh, take your money and uh, give it to the poor, then come follow me. And the guy goes away sad because he can't do that. And the disciples are kind of blown away because here's a guy who's moral, ethical. He seems to be a serious seeker. He wants to know. He seems to want to follow. And, and they're kind of blown away by this. And, um, and so here's what Jesus says to them. He says, they, they say like, what, what's up with that, Lord? I mean, this, you turned a guy away who seemed to want it. He said, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of an evil than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. And when the disciples heard this, here's their question. They were greatly astonished and said, who then can be saved? Here's a guy who comes to you, decent guy, good guy. Want, and, and Jesus says, they come to the conclusion who can be saved? Nobody. Nobody. And here's what Jesus says. Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. Impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So what we, what we say, you know, we can't see it happening. Here is Jesus who's saying, look it. You're right. You can't do it. It's impossible. Do you realize he's given us impossible, an impossible task? But in that impossible task, he said, but you've, you've forgotten the Jesus factor. And, and with, with me, all things are possible. And every person who comes to faith in Jesus Christ is an absolute miracle of God's grace. Everyone. It doesn't matter how, uh, how good you are, how much you know. All, every one of us comes uh, broken and, and uh, comes to the cross for forgiveness. Uh, and you, you know, his desire for us is that we would put our faith and trust in him. And uh, when you think about people, don't, I don't know about you, but I think, yeah, that, not that one. I think about this person. Mm, yeah, that person will never, right? You, you've done that. Haven't you felt that way about certain people? There's no way for them. They, they're, they're hardened. There was a guy who was uh, also hardened. He, in fact, he was, he was like, he was the worst person that you would want to know about if you were in the church of Jesus Christ in the, in the, in the first century. His name was Saul, and he was bent on destroying the church, eradicating believers, putting them in prison, killing them, and the very first martyrdom that happened with Stephen. Here was this guy, Saul, keeping, uh, consenting to his being stoned to death and uh, keeping the, the, uh, the clothes of the, of the people who were perpetrating that. And um, we'd say, impossible. Not this guy. This guy is, is the worst person that we can think about. And so uh, on a, he was going to exact some 
uh, some problems on the church, and he was heading uh, to Damascus, and uh, he had a little confrontation with Jesus. And Jesus' glory overwhelmed him, knocked him to the ground. He couldn't see anything. Uh, Who are you, Lord? Well, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. And uh, what do you want? What do you want? Uh, And he surrendered his life. And this guy, who was the worst enemy of the church, has now become the greatest asset the church has in terms of its outreach around the world. This guy was leading the thing. Do you know what the people thought back in Jerusalem? No, no, no. We can't trust him. If it weren't for Barnabas to vouch for him and to bring him in, they were afraid of him. God says, do you know what? You think that's a big thing for me? You think I can't break a man like that down and bring him to his knees? And so we need to remember that there's optimism because God does what we could never do. And... and, uh, it's interesting, the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 12 uh, talks about uh, having weakness, uh, having a thorn in the flesh, having something that has dragging him down and making life difficult and making his ministry uh, a, a difficult time. And, and here's what he learned and said. He said, I come to understand that God's grace is sufficient for him. That his power, God's power, is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I'll boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ, by Christ's power, uh, may rest on me. He, He figured this out. I found when I realized I couldn't do it, that I was weak, that I was incapable, I trusted in Jesus. And Jesus did what I could never do. And so he said, in fact, I I I boast about excuse me, I boast about my weakness because my weakness is that which brings me to a place of dependency upon God. That's why we're praying tonight, dependency upon God. I love what, uh, I love what the, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 1. He said, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose. Listen, here's what God chose. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that nobody can boast in front of him. That we did it. We made it ourselves. We were smart enough. We were wise enough. We were strong enough. We were influential enough. He says, that's not it. He said, I've made it so that you come my way. And so he said, here's here's what the Jews said. The Jews found the idea of the cross scandalous. I mean, their Messiah coming, their Messiah being crucified and tortured and dying as a common criminal for a capital punishment, that's not our Messiah. It, It was offensive to them. And, and the, uh, the Gentiles, the Greeks, uh, they love philosophy. And so this nonsense about some guy who was a teacher and he, he uh, died a, a bad death. And some people said that he rose from the dead. Well, that just doesn't square with our learned uh, philosophies of life and whatnot. And, and so here's the beautiful thing. 
God doesn't, God doesn't show favoritism to anybody. If you're too wise for God, forget it. God, if you think you're too strong for God, I, I've, had, I've had people, I've had even relatives that, that think, you know, if you want your religion, that's fine. If you need that kind of a crutch, oh, do I ever need a crutch? Someday you'll stand before him and acknowledge that he is Lord. And so with, with all of this, we realize that Paul says, I don't care what people say. I'm, preach, I'm, I, I'm, I'm preaching the same crazy message, whether it's to the intellectual elite or, or the person who's, who's uh, a poor or a leper or blind or, or, or a beggar. It's the same message because there's only mes- one message that works. And though this seems daunting to us, it's an, an outstanding responsibility that God has given to us to grow his family. And, to, and, and here's what he delights to do. Do you remember what he said to the Apostle Paul? So nobody can boast. Because we think, I can do this in my own power. Oh, no, you can't. That's why he loves to take plain, simple, ordinary people, pour his, pour his grace through them, and use them to bring faith to, bring a person to faith in Jesus Christ. What an awesome responsibility we have as a church. And I, I've said to our elders, and I, I've said to our leaders, I will stand before God someday as, as the senior pastor of this church and give account to the Lord for what I did in terms of what he commanded us to do. He didn't make this optional for us. He didn't say, you know, if, if, if you'd like to do it, that, that'd be fine. He said, look, do it. And, and as long as I have breath and as long as I have strength, I will call God's people to come and, and to understand this responsibility we have. But what a privilege. Do you realize the privilege we have? Um, that God can use me to make a difference because he does it through me. It's his power. And there's no greater thing. And, and uh, so I want just, to just give you just a, a few things as I wrap up. Now, uh, what do we do with this? Because... You know, it's kind of scary, isn't it? I'm talking about this. Some of you are going, oh, man, what's he talking I couldn't, no, I couldn't do that. Uh, and and I, want, I want to ask you to do something. I want you to ask God, if you need this done, to warm your heart. You know, Jesus looked at, Jesus looked at lost people and broken people. In, in Matthew chapter 9, the end of Matthew chapter 9, Jesus sees the people coming to him. They're coming with all these needs and brokenness and physical problems, relational problems, demonic issues, all of it. And, and he looks at them. And the scripture says that he, he had compassion welling up with inside him. He said they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're harassed and helpless. And, and, and he said, I, I can't not reach out to help them. I want to ask you a question. Does your heart bleed the same way his heart bleeds? Does your heart, does it beat for the things that God, uh, God's uh, heart uh, beats for? I, I find sometimes uh, I'll be out and I'll see people. I'll see somebody on the sidewalk or in the road. And, and, I, and I wonder, Lord, is that a person who knows you? Is there somebody in their life that can do something? And uh, he wants us to care. He wants to, to see people as he sees people. And uh, to genuinely love them. 
And I would ask you, if your heart isn't there, would you pray and ask God to to grant you a heart that cares about lost people? The other thing is, another thing is, we're, we're trying to do some things that will help us to introduce other people uh, to, to Jesus. One of the things that we're doing and, and we're uh, ramping up for is, is our Alpha program starting on, on uh, September 29th and on, uh, on October the 2nd uh, with the Wednesday Alpha. And Alpha is a series of sessions, video sessions on the Christian faith. It's a safe place to explore uh, questions and to share your opinion. And it's a wonderful tool. And uh, I want to encourage you to consider um, inviting somebody to join you for that. You may say, I'm not, I'm not really ready for that. Then what I want you to do, I would love for you to do, is come to an Alpha and see what it's about and get a little confidence or, or be comfortable with that yourself so that you can do it. Um, I, uh, we had a... a an announcement for the amount, announcement loop, and I said, "Let's let's run it during my sermon." So here's a little uh, announcement on Alpha. We all have that person in our lives, that neighbor we pass by every day outside our homes, that coworker we see at the office five days a week. Or those friends we catch up with every once in a while. People we wish could know and experience the love of God. How do we share it? Where do we even start? Deep inside, we know that it'll cost us something to open up our lives and share our faith. It takes time, vulnerability, Sacrifice, the risk of rejection. But this is our call to open our lives and to share Christ with the people close to us. Because it's only through opening your life up that spaces for honest conversations are possible. Spaces where people can truly be themselves and explore the deepest parts of life with people they know and trust. That's why we're running Alpha. It's a course over several weeks where you can invite your friends to explore life's biggest questions over a meal. It's a chance for you to invite that person into an honest conversation about faith. Because when it's hard to find the moment, or the words, or the courage, you can simply invite. Alpha, who will you invite? By the way, um, on our uh, Facebook page on, uh, for Unionville Alliance, you'll see uh, posted um, a video that we'd love for you to watch. If you can just go on there and uh, check that out. Um, I've been involved with Alpha since about 1983, I think it was, um, when it was early in Canada. I want to tell you about my first experience with that. We had, um, I wanted to try it, but I wanted to test drive the Alpha program. So Gerda and I looked at our home and said, we, uh, we can get eight people around our dining room table, so that will be the limit. Let's, let's try and invite six other people to come. Uh, one, of the pe- one of the persons who came 
was a, uh, married to uh, a guy uh, who's, a, who's a businessman. And she had been in a church and she taught children for, for quite a while. And she just was doing something to contribute. And she came into, uh, she wasn't even uh, fully a believer at that point, but, but a good heart in, in helping in a church. She came to faith in Jesus. And uh, someone told her about this Alpha course we were running. And I don't know how you women do this sometimes. Uh, you get us to do things that we would never do. And her husband, Bob, um, did not like church, did not go to church, would go maybe once or twice in a year just to placate his, his wife. And uh, anyway, how she talked him into this, I don't know. But when he hit our front door for the very first time, because he was making a commitment for about three months to meet at a minister's house and have dinner and have religious talks. And when he, when he hit the door, it was like, I don't know what I'm doing here, but this is not a good thing. And, and through the time, we had such a fantastic time. Uh, the, some of the other participants said, like, you're not going to make the meal every week. We'll each bring something. And so we ate like kings and queens and uh, I think I put on five pounds during Alpha uh, alone. And uh, we, had a, we had a wonderful time. We laughed. We shared our hearts. And, uh, and when it was over, um, Bob lived a little north of us out in the country. And he had some very expensive uh, horses. And I used to have a horse. I used, to, I used to ride. And he said, if you ever want to go riding, I said, yeah, let's do it. So we went out for a ride. And we came back. And took the gear off in the sitting in the tack room and I said Bob what do you what did you make about about alpha and he said well it really makes a lot of sense and we sat and talked about it I said Bob are, are you desirous of opening your heart to Jesus Christ and receiving him he said yeah I am and we sat there and on holy ground, listening to this man speak to God and open his heart and came to faith in Jesus. I remember saying uh, one time in the service, uh, I, I said, you know what? And, and I, I, with all sincerity, I said, there's no place I'd rather be in the whole world than here with you guys doing what we do in worship Sunday. Bob came, Bob was a very soft-spoken, quiet guy, and after, after church, he kind of came up and shook my hand and leaned into me, and he said, you know what you said about, about church? He said, it's really true, isn't it? I mean, here's a guy who hated church, who, who thought it was the most boring, irrelevant thing, and now says it's the highlight of his week. Who could do that? Who could do that? But God... God could accomplish that. And, and that it, I, that's why I've been a proponent of Alpha all this time. I want you to consider that. Um, and thirdly, um, we want to help you. We want to help you to, to fulfill what God wants for you. And so um, we're going to run... Uh, a little session every now and again. We're going to have one on September the 28th, Sunday night, 6, 
6 till about 7 or, or just after 7. And what I want to do, I make a promise to you that I want to make it easy for you to take some steps into being able to share your faith. I'm not asking you to share the gospel with anyth- anyone or anything like that. We're going to start we're going to start back a few steps and we're going to deal with some fundamental issues and help us move forward and uh, we've got this timed out so that that we will have some things that we can do uh, to reach out to others. But I, I promise you, I will make it as painless as possible. And, and this is for ordinary people. This is for people like you and me, people maybe who don't feel they're really qualified. We're going to start and take some steps together, and we're going to do it as a community. Not, not just one person, but we're a family. We're a community. And together, we can do so much more. I'm going to take some pressure off you and uh, we'll leave some room for God to do what only God can do. And I got to tell you, I I think of of the incredible privilege and responsibility we have. Think about people. Think about your family. Think about your friends. Think about your co-workers and your neighbors, uh, people whom you uh, go to the gym with. God, you may be the person that God has to bring the love and the light of Christ. We've received, we said this morning, freely we've received, freely we give. And I don't know about you, but, but when you have something that is so good, you can't keep it to yourself. And so our prayer is that the greatest legacy we can leave, the only thing we can take out of this world is people. Nothing else we can take out, but we can take people. And I tell you what, I want to take truckloads of people with me. I said, I said to someone that I was very concerned about, a, um, a family member, I said, I don't want to leave this earth without you going with me. And so God, warm our hearts. Father, I pray. I pray that you'd help us to see and understand. I pray that you would take and pour your spirit out upon us, that we would care for the people who are all around us, people who don't know you, and you've given us your word, you've given us the light, you've given us the truth, and you empower us, and you empower your word to accomplish what you want. And Father, I pray that this would be the start of some wonderful things that you do. And I just commit uh, us as a congregation to work and do what you call us to do and trusting that with your help, with your empowerment, we can see wonderful things happen for Christ in whose name we pray, amen.